Hello everybody and welcome to Media Voices, the weekly podcast that brings you all the news and views from the world of media. I am not your host, Chris Sutcliffe. <laughs> Mr. Sutcliffe has a sore throat. He is here. I am here. He's taking it easy. Mm-hmm. I'm Peter Houston. I'm Esther Thorpe. I'm Chris Sutcliffe. And that extract you just heard is from Jack Woodcock, who's the creative strategy EMEA lead at Twitch. So we spoke about the opportunities for publishers around live streaming, what lessons we can learn from the success of individual streamers, and how the team at Twitch looks to the community when creating new features. Great chat. Do look forward to it. Oh, Chris. <laughs> but before we get to Twitch and our news roundup, we're going to be talking about the pivot to paid which has well and truly arrived in podcast land because Spotify and Apple have both recently announced paid platforms to let podcast creators set up subscriber-only episodes. Well, we are going to have to pay for this soon, so enjoy this while it's free. I like this as an option. If this becomes the norm for some podcasts, I don't think it's going to benefit consumers. So, I mean, basically, Spotify's launched a new subscription platform for podcasts Gives creators the ability to make podcasts exclusively for subscribers. Um, and they'll be on their platform, Anchor, but you'll be able to listen to it in places other than Spotify, uh, which is good. Yeah. A- Apple is launching a new podcast subscription service. It was built into that iOS 14 announcement. Um, it's called the Apple Podcasters Program. As always, they name stuff so inventively. <laughs> um, and it'll give podcasters a tool that they need to create premium subscription podcasts inside Apple Podcasts. And you're going to have to pay $20 a year for that privilege. I have a question then on this, because we've spoken about subscriber-only podcasts or podcasts that are part of another subscription like New Statesman's yep. podcast before. Why is that nece- Why is that necessarily like a different thing other than just a platform? It's the platforms that are doing it. I think the point is that they're, they'll, they'll make it easier to do. So people who are used to just uploading their stuff so that, to Apple, whatever, have now got this uh, revenue option as part of that process. But this this complicates distribution, though, doesn't it? Because if, for example, we were to look at launching a subscriber-only podcast, at the moment we've got the choice of Spotify or Apple, but our listeners would then have to go to the platform that we choose to release that episode on. Whereas at the moment, our listeners can... uh, They're probably listening on a huge variety of platforms, whereas this feels like a little bit of a kind of... Well, it completely is a platform play where the platforms are saying if we release these tools... No, it is a platform play. Podcasters will release their exclusive episodes here and people will kind of have to have to go to Apple, have to go to Spotify in order to no, listen to them. No, 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 Our listeners would follow us anywhere. Well, there's two things there. One, they probably don't listen on a range of platforms. They probably are listening on... 90% of them probably listen on Spotify or Apple. But the other thing is Spotify's programme doesn't mean you have to listen on Spotify. That's the point. But Apple's does. Probably. (laughs) Knowing Apple. I think the most interesting thing I saw in this was this newsletter from Eric Newsom, which I hadn't seen before, actually. He does a a newsletter called The Audio Insurgent. Mm. Um, 
And his point is, yeah, everyone's going to go, oh my God, you're screwing with the podcast ecosystem because podcasts, yeah, podcasts are supposed to be free. And yeah, there's an argument around that. But he says that for podcasts to truly thrive, they're going to need more than one revenue stream. Now, we bang that drum on such a regular basis. The, the Them introducing a new revenue stream doesn't necessarily lock the, you know, it doesn't change the landscape exactly. You know, if just because you offer a subscription, you often do it on your own terms. Whereas this is now doing it through a couple of platforms and that's going to fundamentally change how people actually consume podcasts in general. So I, I see a lot of people talking about this and saying that, you know, podcasts, they've historically been open, freely, dis- freely distributed, and that's really important to keep. But why? So is this not the same conversation people were having about blogging and content, like back in, before I was, um, <laughs> before I was <laughs> in the you industry. were a twinkle in your dad's eye. Um, and people were saying, oh, you know, this, this needs to get open free, and that's the way of the internet. And actually, we're now at the stage where it's like, well, no, the, it, making everything really free, like making everything free was a really big mistake in the early days. <laughs> Are we going to be looking back in 10 years' time and saying this huge drive to keep podcasting free was was problematic? It's, yeah. it's not necessarily keeping it free. It's It's keeping it. Uh, almost platform agnostic. You know what I mean? It's like... Distributed through have... RSS feeds. This is not familiar. <laughs> yeah, no, we've been here. Like, yeah. yeah, but when 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 we talk about this, we're talking about allowing the bigger players... I mean, look at the amount of money Spotify's put in the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. To control it effectively. And look at those... Look at the amount that Apple's going to take and that Spotify's going to introduce in a couple of years. Weirdly, it's the same conversation that's happening with uh, Substack and newsletters. Mm-hmm. It's that con- it's the power that ends up being held by the platforms. It's exactly the same conversation. I think you know, Spotify's play is more interesting than Apple's. You know, Apple's going to yeah. make you pay to have the tools. It's going to take thirty percent right off the top, as it always does. Going to drop that to fifteen percent after a year, but it's still taking fifteen percent, and. You still will not have a direct relationship with your subscribers. It's classic Apple. Not classic Dom, classic Apple. Oh. You know, if some if we were sitting down, imagine so imagine this is a media voices strategy meeting, right? Right. And we're gonna have we're gonna decide that we want to launch a paid podcast, a subscriber only podcast. What would we do? Are you talking about what would we do it about? Because I've always thought that people desperately want to know our opinion on video games and films. <laughs> okay. So imagine what we would actually do is keep this podcast exactly the way it is, but launch a subscriber-only version on video games and films. Right. So you wouldn't... I don't think any publisher... I, I Well, that's not... I think very few publishers will lock down all their podcast content. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely not. Well, well I think that's because Apple are launching, um, they're, they're doing kind of channels within their new, uh, I think, I, I believe they're relaunching Apple Podcasts and as part yeah, of that, they're yeah. looking to kind of do this channels thing where you can then have, you can have something like the Empire Podcast, which is open and then subscriber specials, which is kind of a bit more closed off all within like this one channel. And that, that I think, will be a good move for publishers, mm. not necessarily I, I, everything else they're driving. i got a question. Why mm. why is Apple so bad at content strategies? When it's it's known for, you know, incredible design and all this kind of stuff, why can't it not get stuff right? Why are we constantly seeing 
relaunches of things like this and you know that it's apple news plus was effectively you know doa for quite some time so why is apple so it's a bit of a sidebar but why is apple so bad I don't know, it just always has been. Look at what they did when you stand. Mm, exactly, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, I was, was going to say because Steve Jobs has died, but that was <laughs> No, I think, I'm yeah, there's, there's I definitely... Think, I think he set the tone for the whole thing. If he's so smart, how come he's dead? Yeah, well... <laughs> um, but yeah, because... And those, and those jumpers, like... what was that about? Mm. Steve Jobs has a lot to answer for for reinvigorating the male turtleneck. I know a fun, a fun fact neck. about him. Did you know he apparently never washed? Yeah, I oh, heard that, yeah. what? Yeah, he he believes that like people self cleaning. Um, okay, <laughs> well, I think we're properly reached wandered, the end of this. Yeah, wandered quite far. I just wonder. All right, so are you having seen these offerings now? Are you both more or less confident that we're going to see investment in podcasts from publishers, or are we going to have that discussion again about what is the right thing to do about? being beholden to platforms with podcasts? Are people oh, just going to continue to distribute with their current strategies? I think the answer to both those questions is yes. It's going to be oh. interesting as well to see next year for the Publisher Podcast Awards how many people have started making subscription oh. a bigger part of their commercial strategy entries. We can have yeah. a subscriber-only category. You, you're pulling the curtain back too far, Peter. <gasps> we may get free subscriptions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the. I've, st- I've poured a glass of whiskey now, and I'm hoping that's just going to power me through. But excellent. Well, we've yeah. only got nabs to do. <laughs> and on to the news in brief. So Verizon is exploring the sale of more of its media assets, including Yahoo and AOL. So they spent more than nine billion dollars to acquire um, AOL in 2015 and Yahoo in 2017. Um, and this is kind of widely regarded as um, you know now they're selling them. It's just been yeah. a massively unsuccessful and expensive bet on digital media. It's, it's been tele- outrageous to watch that. They're a telecom company, right? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Traffic to local news sites rose over the course of 2020, according to the Press Gazette. Um, pretty significantly, actually. It was like 40-odd percent or something. Mm. But digital revenue did not rise along with traffic. It has actually come down. But presume, 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 I was going to say this doesn't include Reach, does it? Because Reach has had quite a good year and they're launching more. Well, they're launching it in a slightly different way. They're not going to be like the kind of standard website, you know, ad-supported ones. But you only have to go to like Software Gore on Reddit to see that UK news sites pop up all the time when you can just about barely see yeah, one so word of the article yeah, so among a bunch of ads that just obviously aren't paying dividends anyway. It's so bad. Also, I think a lot of local advertising, you know, small companies just getting involved in e-commerce through the pandemic, they probably spent the money with Facebook and Google. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I don't know, they, they could get fundamentally get a better return. Yeah, exactly. Gannett is under fire for paying some women nearly 30 grand. Well, that's $30,000 less than their male peers. There are some horrendous stats in the article. We'll link to it in the release and in the news roundup uh, around the disparity between the pay of white men and basically everybody else. And we really recommend that you actually watch the video interview, um, which is included in the link, because it is just heartbreaking. It's awful. Now that everybody's reporting it, you would have thought that that would have spurred people. Look at what happened at the BBC when it fucking widened last year. It just doesn't make any sense. Then we just have this conversation about local news sites. You could say that about... (laughs) 
talking of Gannett, its flagship national paper USA Today has apparently quietly started putting some stories behind a paywall. So the subscription costs $4.99 a month, but a spokesperson said the offering is just a test. Hmm. So I, I didn't quite understand, like, you know, if, you, if you're paying for that and that suddenly sort of... That doesn't sound very well thought through at the moment, but anyway. Oh, do you know USA Today? Have you, have you read USA Today? It, no. <laughs> uh, it When it launched, I mean, I remember it launching. Uh, that's how old I am. Uh, it was revolutionary because it had all these infographics and all these tiny little stories and like kind of muck news type things. Um, I, it's moved on a bit since then, but putting that behind a paywall, it's not like putting the sun behind a paywall because it is actually news. <laughs> but it is pretty lightweight and I just, I'm not sure. Yeah. I have a question about that though. When they say it's a test, mm. in this sense, how is the test in any way different from what the final version will be. Because if it totally fucks up, they'll say, well, that was just <laughs> a test, we're not doing it. But then, well, yeah, but then, you know, if, if you don't launch it, you're not going to get, if you, if you don't do like an official launch and actually shout about it, you're not going to get many people sign up. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> do, you, do you mind paying five pounds a month just to see? <laughs> the worst sales technique. Uh, the Evening Standard is launching London Rising. It's a fairly dramatic name for something that the Evening Standard is launching. It sounds like a um, a Gerard Butler action movie. Yeah, it does. Uh, Anyway, London Rising is a series of hybrid virtual in-person events focused on bringing London back to life. Come on, London. And therefore, people back to the city and therefore selling more papers. Well, giving away more papers. Like, why why are they launching London Rising now? Mm. as opposed to at the start of the year when we at least had a bit of a roadmap for coming out of it. Mm. The turnaround on this seems very slow. Cheer up, Landon. It's not that bad. And the Times has launched a new editorial channel to champion sustainable living. So Times Earth is going to be a new digital hub for all news around climate change, sustainability problems, initiatives and solutions. Um, There's a bit of a sea change, actually, for a lot of the Murdoch titles because the Sun has launched, what is it, the Sun Green Living as well? Which is looking at environmental. Oh, they could they could have had some fun with that name. Well, they could have done, yeah. They they didn't. No. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's interesting that this comes after one of the many many Murdoch heirs came out and said, you know, my my father's a climate change denier, and now a lot of the titles presumably are shifting because they know that their future depends on reaching this young audience, which is more environmentally conscious. They they recognise that the writing's on the wall now for at least digitally for doing climate change denialism. You can't continue to do that and still be legit. That was Slow. a tortured sentence, by the way. Slow global warming, block the sun. <laughs> Liverpool's way ahead of that one. Liverpool will have no climate change. And finally, the Telegraph has reported a 76% rise in its annual operating profits, which has been boosted basically by its digital subscription revenues. So growth has continued in 2021, and it actually hit a milestone 600,000 subscribers last month. So I'm so, so conflicted by the Telegraph. What, what do you mean? Is it because you don't agree with their politics, but the business-wise, they're actually doing pretty well? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Should we just leave that there? <laughs> no, I, you know... <laughs> So this week I spoke to Jack Woodcock, who is the creative strategy Amir lead at Twitch. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Twitch is a live streaming platform. It actually originated as a sort of in real life stream where people would document their comings and goings in real life. Then it transitioned into video games and it's now sort of broadening out. 
So we've seen publishers as you know, monolithic as the BBC actually experiment with putting some of their content on there. And even Parliament is now live streamed on Twitch. So I had a good chat with Jack about the opportunities for publishers on the platform, what lessons we can actually take away from the success of individual streamers, and really interesting actually how the team at Twitch looks to the community when creating new features. So it almost does live product development based on what the community is already doing. Um, but I began by asking Jack to explain what Twitch is to the layman. Uh, so my name's Jack. Um, I am the creative strategy lead uh, across EMEA for um, for Twitch within the brand partnership studio. Uh, Twitch is um, is lots of things. I guess its simplest uh, description would be that it's the world's biggest live streaming service. Uh, so every day, um, around 200 million people uh, visit our visit our site in different parts of the world. Like as we're talking now, there's around. 1.6 million people watching content on Twitch, which is just staggering. Yeah. Um, we, uh, although Twitch is predominantly uh, focused around gaming content, uh, there's loads and loads of different types of content on Twitch. So music has become an especially big thing uh, on the platform for all the obvious reasons that you would expect from uh, that came out of the world going into lockdown. As um, over the last year, new New types of creators have uh, found an opportunity to connect with their audiences on Twitch, and it's been yeah. it's been a really um, a really exciting uh, thing to be part of, and you know, in what has been a very difficult time for lots and lots of people. Uh, but I guess so. My team is the creative strategy part of what is essentially a an agency like function that exists within the Twitch advertising sales org. Mm -hmm. So we perform the role. Of a, of a creative agency essentially for our like for key um, clients brands who want to want to do work on the platform and communicate with our audience in different parts of the world nice fantastic um, I think the thing about it the thing about twitch that is so unique is the opportunity that it gives um, creators influencers um, in up to like have a real time live in the moment um, exchange like yeah. connection uh, with their community because that's like that's what tw Twitch is all about like the vast majority of content uh, that is consumed on Twitch is live which is yeah. I guess the thing um, the thing that makes it like different and and kind of special. Oh no, one hundred percent. And the the thing that really attracts me to the platform as you know a, as a as a consumer of streams is that ability to interact directly with a streamer. Um, so, and that live interaction part has always been a core part of Twitch's offering, but how has that sort of space evolved over the last couple of years as that direct interaction has become more central to to its, to its uh, to that offering? Well, I guess that's the, the Twitch has been um, through various different stages of evolution um, since its inception. Um, I think that the this this idea of being able to um, to interact with a content creator um, in real time has already has always been quite um, like quite fundamental and core um, mm. to to like what Twitch is and what makes it special. I think the one of the most exciting things about uh, about working like at Twitch um, is that like lots of the um, uh, lots of the, I guess, the development and the like, evolution of the of the services is actually driven by the creator community. Yeah, like we have 
millions and millions of super creative people every day um, going live and sharing content right, and sharing live experiences with their audience. And if I look at like some of the platform developments that have happened in the time that I've been at the business, like they have been, they've been driven uh, by um, by the creator community, like finding ways to make Twitch do what they wanted it to do. And then we we you know, we see that uh, we see that opportunity and uh, turn it into a product. So I guess a good example of that is um is a squad stream function yeah. um which enables uh enables up to like four streamers to uh, create a piece of content um together where um users are able to quickly um like move between ind- like each individual uh, channel to get a different so most of the times it will be to get a different view of the gameplay that um, that is being you know, that, that that those creators are in. Um, but that was that that development was driven out of the fact that creators were trying or finding ways to do that anyway, and we saw that and then turned it into a product um, that is now available to everyone. But I guess there's yeah, it's been a um, uh, in terms of like how it's evolved over the last couple of years. I think probably one of the, and I mentioned it at the start, probably one of the biggest um, things that I guess I've seen change over the two and a half years that, um, that I've been um, with the business is the, is the breadth of content that's being yeah. produced. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, and I think you've, you've touched on something there that, well, you preempted one of my questions, which is it's such a good place for those creators who are charismatic, who have something that they're deeply passionate about. Um, and I wondered if you think that maybe Twitch is, you know, is the individual creator still the sort of the, the primacy on Twitch or is there an opportunity for organizations to use it effectively too? There's definitely an opportunity for organisations to use it. Um, the, I think there are, there are. I think the advice that um, so a big part of the work that my team do is working uh, with brands, um, all their agencies, and helping them understand um, what their, you know, what their um, motivations and what their like objectives are yeah. um, for um, for getting. Like for, for moving into Twitch and connecting with that audience. Um, and I think the advice for a, a publisher or an organization would be the same as the advice that, um, that we give our brand partners in that scenario. I think the really important thing about um, thinking about how you're going to uh, how you're going to move onto a platform like Twitch and look to connect with that audience mm. is around it starts off with like understanding what your objectives are and what it is you've got to say because what a news brand would have to say um, will be, uh, be very like, different to something you know the sort of content that maybe like an entertainment or lifestyle publisher might look to yeah um, like look to bring to life. I think your your like your your question around like whether or not um, the an individual creator is um, is almost like the uh, is is the best the best use of uh, that sort of um, environment. I think there are lots of different ways that. That brands and that publishers are are working, that um, that kind of that keeps creators at the heart, that brings in like a range of other opportunities. So I think that one of the 
I guess one of the biggest things that a publisher, I would say, would you'd want to ask themselves before they start, uh, before they like, start mapping out how they're going to start showing up on Twitch, be understanding what it is they want to communicate and when and how regularly. Yeah, because it yeah. might be it might be that you're um, that you have one tentpole event um, over the course of the year, and you want to make that thing live and give the audience an opportunity to like be part of that and interact with it and potentially help shape and change it. Or it might be that you're, you're a publisher who creates like super engaging content every day and want to find a place to, I mean, maybe like you know, have some sort of ongoing dialogue around it with mm. the community. I think there are one of the, um, I guess to give a, give a bit of a insight into like the different, organizations are using it something that is currently um currently becoming like quite a big thing on twitch is the it's um it's what is either called a watch along or a sidecast so this is yes. essentially when an individual or group of individuals will share a like a live experience typically sport um with a bunch of people that are watching it with them so they're not streaming the content uh they're streaming themselves watching the content the expectation being in many situations the people who are watching it with them would also be watching that content so i think the a lot of the um the uk uh would put like the english premier league teams are setting up twitch channels now like i am a long-suffering uh Tottenham <laughs> fan um and Fair if i if if i so wish i can when there's a spurs game on I can watch the uh, the Tottenham Hotspur channel and be miserable about it with a load of other Spurs <laughs> fans, um, whilst uh, whilst um, two uh, presenters on from the uh, from the uh, Tottenham um, Twitch channel um, discuss the, what's going on and yeah. uh, talk to individuals. So there are um, there are lots of different ways um, that you can that you could bring Twitch in as part of uh, what it is that um, you want to do. You've actually touched on a couple of things I wanted to uh, bring up there. One is Twitch as this sort of community hub for brands. As you mentioned there, you know, when people are watch, doing that kind of the side viewing and everyone's piling into the chat or, you know, voting in the polls that the hosts are putting up, it really does act as a sort of focal point for a community in a lot of ways. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, you know, your idea that actually doing something live, having that side viewing is incredibly effective when you do have a brand that knows exactly what it's talking about. So a couple of times now I've watched tech conferences with a Twitch channel live at the same time so I can get their immediate feedback and their immediate thoughts on what's being announced. I think that's a, a very like, a very good assessment of the, the one of the biggest like sort of unique elements and like potentials in Twitch that creating that opportunity to have live dialogue around various different types of stuff. I think um, like a, a few uh, a few weeks ago, it might be longer now. Um, my team and I, who are now obviously all like remotely working, all like watched a uh, watched a, a spacewalk that NASA oh, yeah, yeah. put on their channel live, and we we're all talking about it in like in the chat bar as well as in Slack. Um, and uh, and it's just, I mean, yeah, every now and again. Um, it, you just had share one of those like moments. Just like, what's what's going on here? What yeah. are we we're, we're watching someone walk in space, <laughs> and there is a woman talking to us about it at the same time. Um, 
it's yeah, it's it's very cool. Lots of cool stuff going on. Definitely, yeah. It's almost like that reinvention of the water cooler moment, except that everybody's exactly. live yeah. at the time, just chatting about it. It's it yeah. is a sort of a, an amazing experience to. I'm a, I'm subscribed to a couple of Twitch streamers, and you know, it's it's really nice being part of those communities. Mm. It's less fun being on the other side, trying to you know trying to build my brand when I'm not that charismatic and I don't particularly <laughs> have an area of expertise. And the, one of the most humiliating experiences I ever had was trying to do a music stream, composing something like Core Gadget on there, and just. Ma- maximum of three people on and it was just the worst piece of trash <laughs> anything has ever made on twitch it was awful the the act of going live and the commitment that um that it takes um it's quite it's quite different like, yeah. it is um and i think that is it's like you know you talked about it being embarrassing i'm sure it wasn't um <laughs> no it was um, oh it was but the, but the idea but even if it was great like that's like i think some of the most um i think twitch is uh the from the fact that it is live and it is unfiltered and it's in the moment, I think that is the thing about it. That especially like the the youngest, like Gen Z um, end of our audience, which makes up you know a very large portion of it, they respect that authenticity. Mm. It's impossible um, to. Uh, I think if you you know if like using think about you know photo sharing platforms where everything is highly curated and highly filtered twitch is almost the antithesis of that it's like saying like it's in order to uh, go live and create a piece of content uh, with um with the community because that is often you know creators will see it as a collaborative process that exists between them and the people that are watching them is ex- is exposing like mm. you have to um you uh, there is risk and there is like you have to sort of lay yourself bare to an extent um and i think that is one of that is what um individuals uh like if community members like one of the things that they about twitch they find the most compelling it's the yeah. it's the fact that it's so like um it's personal um, and uh, at the same time as being a, like, a, yeah, a shared experience. Definitely. Actually, one of the things I wanted to touch upon is something you mentioned right back at the start, which is your own role and sort of the role of your department in being a sort of mm. internal ad agency, almost creative agency. Mm. So what opportunities are there for, say, brands who do want to appear on Twitch, whether that's part of sponsorship or part of, you know, as, as a sort of, you know, pre-roll ad, which I know that do, do exist mm-hmm. on there. So what are some yeah. of those opportunities for brands who want to sit alongside this content? So there are, uh, there are lots of different opportunities. Um, the, in terms of a, a Twitch, uh, in terms of a, um, an advertising model, um, the Twitch ad model is pretty simple. Uh, the thing, if you want to advertise on Twitch, then the, the way the vast majority of uh, brands will will do that is through pre-roll advertising, as you just um, you just pointed out. I guess the the thing about the way that advertising shows up on Twitch that is quite uh, is quite distinct from the market is that uh, you, you see far fewer ads on Twitch than you would on um, lots of other like video um, oh, God, platforms. Yeah. Um, I think one one of the reasons that we're able to do that is that and one of the things that I was most surprised by when I joined the business is the um, the reason that ad weight is low is because session time for individuals is so long. The average se- the average session time for someone who comes in uh, and to like watch Twitch is ninety minutes. When you think that um, on you think about my own like behaviour on you know, other other video like platforms like, i will go in with a specific uh with a, a specific thing that i want to watch and then we'll probably be gone in less than three minutes and so mm-hmm. we have there are a range of 
but there's a range of benefits that um that come from having that like super engaged um audience that stay with us for um a long time so low ad weight is one of them i think the uh there are like lots of different things um that brands can do to like show up on twitch like so the like the, the simplest is to like include twitch as part of their um as part of their advertising mix for mm-hmm. pre-roll the um the work that my team does spans a, a range of things so typically um most of the i guess most of the activations that we will deliver like for brand partners will be um be quite simple um it will be taking a product or brand and then creating a narrative uh, that we can build um, around that product or brand into um, a piece of live content working with a streamer so in the i'm trying to think of some of the some of the recent work that we did. So as an example, um, for, for Twix, we, um, we worked with, um, we worked with Mars and, uh, very simple. Like there is a, um, there is a longstanding creative route for Twix of having the, a lot of their ads that people have seen on TV. It's all about this idea of left versus right. Um, we, that worked very well in terms of a, like a video game type scenario. So we recruited two UK streamers uh, to represent left Twix and right Twix and built a um, kind of like a two hour show around um, them playing head to head on various uh, in various different games. It was nice. really fun. Um, it was, uh, yeah really fun quite um i think they both had a lot of fun um and um i feel like uh twix got lots of value out of it so i guess you can you can work with streamers um you can there are some uh, what like we have some options in emir for um for brands that want to like adopt a more um, sponsorship uh, type approach rather than that type of like original uh, branded content so um, Twitch Rivals is the biggest. Um, I guess it's like it's the biggest thing that that we own in terms of a um, a an owned property. So it's kind of like it's Twitch is uh, it's what it's how esports shows up on Twitch mm. in the way that um, in the way that we run it. So it's um, it's remote competitive events uh, that are based around loads of different games featuring Twitch streamers um, and yeah the, the, that. That uh, was built out um, in North America first, but this year we've brought Twitch rivals to Europe for the first time. And so, yeah, Doritos have been the first uh, the first sponsor of that, but I'm sure that other brands will come in and work in that space um, over next year. But yeah, there's lots of lots and lots of different things that brands can do. There are also some really exciting things that brands can do that don't involve uh, streamers at all. So we yeah. have a, we have, I think one of my, um one of the like the things that we do that I always get like most excited about is build out multiplayer games uh that we kind of we internally and yeah and I think externally as well um there is a um there is a an idea of a, like a trend called twitch plays so there was um a number I, of years <laughs> I twitch plays. love twitch plays yeah so it is it is the it was the highlight of my year was the original Twitch Lives Pokemon. It was unreal. <laughs> yeah. So as a bit of a penultimate question, then I wondered, and so what then would be some of your predictions about what is going to be the future of that interactivity between streamer brand audience over the next couple of years? You've mentioned, you know, tools that are developed 
really, really quickly, but are, any, are there any core tenets of the relationship that you think are going to develop further over the next couple of years? So that's really good. It's a really good question because I think like when we started about, we, we, when we started uh, talking, we discussed, I think actually, although um, like definitely the production value has changed. If you look at the production value that a lot of streamers um, like you know, produce content with today versus like what the what we were seeing like five six years ago, yeah, the, the worlds apart. Not so everything is starting, yeah, everything's starting to feel a lot slicker, a lot more professional. Um, but I think actually the core of what makes Twitch really interesting has not has not changed. It is that like very um, almost like very like pure um like interaction between a like an individual a streamer and their community so i think that that um i don't i don't see that 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 will change mm-hmm. i think probably the things um that we will start to see changing over the next couple of years based on the trends that we're seeing at the moment is that the that various different types of content will become more prevalent on twitch so i think that there is um, there is a huge amount of music content uh, coming onto Twitch already. I think I, I, it's, I, I assume that that trend is going to continue. Um, but then, yeah, there's like, I think another thing that will be really interesting is that publishers have started, I think games publishers have started thinking about how, uh, how they can build out games that um, in a way that makes them uh, that makes them work well for mm, live streaming. Definitely. Um, and I feel like you know if we like we were just talking about Twitch plays as a um, as an example of um, like something cool where all the community get to do something together. It feels like there is an opportunity for a uh, a games publisher to build a game that has uh, elements of um, of that kind of like crowd control multiplayer like functionality into yeah. it um, and um, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what they do because um, because yeah there's such a huge amount of creativity in the industry at the moment from like so many so on so many different levels from like super cool like indie publishers to um, like you know the like the AAA titles that you see on the side of buses um, but yeah it's a, it's an exciting time to to be in, in an industry associated with gaming no 100% and then as a final question i wondered if you could maybe recommend a piece of media of, of any format of any sort of genre that you really think that our audience should check out if they can? So I feel like, uh, so at the moment I am, uh, I'm late to the party because it came out quite a while ago, but I'm, I just started playing Last of Us 2. I think I'm probably about eight hours in. I've probably got about another 30 to go. Yeah. And it is just a, um, it's, I, it's the most affected that I've been uh, by a video game ever it is like hugely immersive the world building is just exquisite i think one of the really interesting things about last of us which um which so so much was like written and said about last of us when it first came out as being a um almost like representing a, a shift in like in what a video game uh could be Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you didn't know, we've not started a podcast subscription yet, but <laughs> you can sign up for a monthly Ko-Fi subscription where you can buy us a coffee 
every single month. You don't just need to do it on an ad hoc basis. We love you every time you sign up. We're just so happy. So have a look, ko-fi.com slash media voices. And if you are desperate for more Media Voices content, then you can sign up to our daily newsletter. So that contains four of the most important media stories of the day as curated and commented on by the Media Voices team and a link to our latest episode. So you can sign up to that other website, voices.media. But until next week, when we're going to be back with a fantastic guest, hopefully my voice will have returned. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening and stay safe. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.